It's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies' European Tour. Okay, hello. Welcome to the first ever episode of the LET Golf Podcast. So it's a new podcast from the Ladies' European Tour. And we're going to be taking you inside the ropes of the LET to chat to all the stars of the show. So I'm Cup Legends to Q School Rookies and, well, everyone in between, I guess. I'm George Cooper and I'm delighted to be joined by media official Nicola Kenton. Nicola, how are you doing today? Hi, George. I'm all good, thank you. How are you? I'm really good, yeah. Are you excited for the new season? Yes. Season is now underway and we're ready to go for the rest of the year. Yes, we sure are. Now, on today's uh, episode, we've got a fantastic guest joining us shortly for the first episode. We've got none other than five-time winner and sole home cup shoeing. My start chatting to yourself shortly. Uh, she obviously had a phenomenal 2022 and she's now looking ahead to an even more phenomenal 2023, hopefully. Um, but before that, Nicola, the season's now underway and we've got a record-breaking schedule taking place. Talk us through it, what we've got to expect this year. Yeah, so this year on the LDT, as you said, it's record-breaking. We've got 30 tournaments taking place in 21 countries across the year, plus, obviously, as you just mentioned, the Solheim Cup, a prestige event in September. Um, so the first tournament actually happened last week in Kenya. So the LDT season is underway and we go right through until November. The purse is at least 35 million euros this year, which is the biggest that it's ever been. Um, so the most prize money on offer that we've ever had to our players. We've got 420 members on 421 members on the tour this year, which is an increase from last year, including 84 rookies. Obviously, with the COVID pandemic a couple of years ago, we had a lot of rookies who stayed at college for another year or so to complete their time in the States. Um, and now they're all turning professional and coming to join us on tour. So another big rookie class for 2023. And um, we have players from 38 different nationalities representing on the LET. So a very much a worldwide tour and we can't wait to get underway this year. And obviously you mentioned the first event is now in the history books. Uh, so we had the Magical Kenya Open, which happened this weekend. And we had a fan favourite returning to the winner's circle. So you were there. Give us a quick recap of the event. Yeah, so as was last year, we started the season in Kenya at Vipingo Ridge, uh, which is in Kalifi County. Uh, uh, so it will be the third time that the tour went. The first time we went was back in 2019 at the end of the season for the finale where Esther Henselite won. Esther also uh, defended her title last year in 2022 and came back this year for a third time. But as you say, it was not Esther who was in the winner's circle this time. We had a different winner. So it was India's Aditi Ashok. Aditi actually finished as runner-up to Esther back in 2019 at Vapingo Ridge. So she likes the course. She knows how to play around there. And she did a wire-to-wire victory <laughs> last week, uh, led from the first round all the way to the last putt on 18. Um, basically, it was star of the show for most of the week, uh, proved her worth. She was an invite coming into the week as she finished um, 100th on the race to Costa del Sol last season. So she bides her time between the LPJ Tour and the LET, having cards on both. And obviously now, as you say, returned to the winner's circle for the first time since 2017 when she won in Abu Dhabi. She normally wins at the end of the season. So her previous victories all came in October, November time. Whereas obviously getting the win underway in February, <laughs> different start to the season for her. But yeah. she, she was very pleased to be back in that winner's circle and feels as if she's kind of back to where she was pre-COVID. 
Obviously, COVID had effect on players in lots of different ways. And Aditi felt that she lost some of her strength. Um, so she's hitting the ball longer again. She's able to do what she could a couple of years ago. And yeah, she thinks she's back to her best. And she certainly proved it last week with a performance to, you know, put her name back in the rankings and back on the map again. And hopefully she'll continue that. So she now, with that win, heads into the next event and also gets in, uh, gets a spot in the Aramco Saudi Ladies International. So that win has really opened up the start of her season. Yeah, doesn't get much better than that, does it, to start the year? No. And obviously, uh, Kenya itself, I was watching on TV, and I've got to ask, because you were there, I was seeing all sorts happening, giraffes, zebras, monkeys, like, is it really as cool as it looks? How is it out there? Yes, it is. So, um, obviously, there's always some kind of wildlife at the resort in Kenya. But during COVID, they actually became a wildlife sanctuary. So they, they took in and homed a lot of animals. Um, hence why there are now giraffes and zebras and oryx and waterbuck and all the monkeys and everyone. So the monkeys were there before, um, but the giraffe and zebras specifically came in during COVID because they just, they needed somewhere to live basically. Um, so the Pingo Ridge rescued them and brought them to the resort and then obviously now there are always wildlife rangers there looking after the animals but they come out and if you haven't seen the tv clips they come out onto the 10th green <laughs> and fairway they wander over all the way across to 18 and have a little drink from <laughs> the water feature that's in the middle of 18 and 9 and they do that every single day um, and it's something that yeah the players absolutely love obviously being in a hot country for the start of the season is great because you get different weather especially to cold all our Europeans who are on tour yeah <laughs> a lot of them said obviously they'd come from minus temperatures <laughs> to, to the 30 plus degrees in Kenya um, but also they get to see the wildlife and experience something new a lot of the rookies hadn't been to Kenya before so it was a brand new experience for them and it's one that you never forget definitely seeing all the all the giraffes and especially the drafts everyone loves those <laughs> yeah, everyone loves it, yeah and you mentioned the rookies there as well I mean we had a really good showing for the first event of the season from a lot of the rookies I mean in the top 10 you had uh, Gabby Ruffles, Amir Lefnissen, Yuri Nishi all inside the top 10 I know it was a strong year last year for rookies are you sort of expecting the same this year is that a sign of things to come? Yes I think so I'm I'm very much expecting the rookies once again to be up there in the rankings and we'll get quite a few first time winners this year I think um, the same that we did last year they're just as I said before with the Covid and staying at college a year younger they're just a lot more experienced they're kind of ready they've got friends who are already on tour so they want to immediately come on tour um, they kind of yeah they're loving the vibe and as I said so many of them in Kenya loving the animals. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> they, they just want to experience everything they can. Obviously, rookie season is difficult, learning more about yourself. But they all played so well last week. And I kind of expect that, that we're going to see that all the way across the season. Brilliant. Yeah, that's what we want to see. And obviously, from one uh, very cool, unique location to another now, for the first week to second week. So we go from Kenya to Morocco. Uh, for the Lala Merriam Cup at Royal Golf uh, Dar Salaam. Uh, what sort of the should the players expect there? I know you, you, you've watched that before. It's the first time that the event's returning since 2019, isn't it? Um, so it's exciting stuff for the players and it should be a good event. Absolutely stacked field. Um, so yeah, what, what should we expect from Morocco? 
Yeah, so obviously, as you said, it's been a while since we've been in Morocco. We stopped because of COVID, but we're back again. And Nuria Aturios, Spanish player, she's won there twice. Um, and she is returning again this year. And as you said, absolutely stacked field with um, the majority of the top 10 from last season's race to Costa del Sol are in the field in the coming week. So they will be ready to start their seasons afresh and challenge again for the title. Um, again, there are over there are at least 20 rookies taking part this week. So expect to see some new names and new faces up there. But obviously, one of the different aspects of this week is that there is a men's competition going alongside the women's competition. Two different competitions happening, but they are happening at the same place. So obviously, George, you're going out there this week. Tell me a bit about the what's happening with the men on, alongside. Yeah, very exciting. So we've got the PGA Champions Tour uh, coming over. I know they used to do a curve event um, with the European Tour itself. Um, so obviously you've got the red and the blue course uh, out in Rabat. And yes, yeah, so they're going to be going on alongside one another both 54 hole events um, and it's really exciting I guess and it's great to, to raise the profile as well because you know the Champions Tour is obviously getting a different viewership than say the LET and you know they're coming together and hopefully it can bring more eyeballs to the event um, and yeah it's looking like a really fun event um, I'm really excited um, I know we've got a lot of collaborations going on as well so keep an eye on our socials because um, we're going to be doing some collaboration with sort of the, the Champions Tour and there's going to be some fun challenges going on with players there um, so yeah it's a great week I can't wait to to get out, see some golf, get some sun. It's, yeah, it's a good uh, for myself first event. So it's going to be, it's very exciting. And uh, yeah, a lot a lot going on. And, and who can forget as well, a lot of eyeballs are going to be on uh, Inez Lakulesh, um, home favourite from Morocco, from Casablanca. She obviously was the first Arab and first North African winner to win on the LET last year. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of storylines going into it, uh, looking at her. We're going to be doing a, an interview with her too. Um, but yeah, that's going to be amazing. Hopefully she can put on a strong performance uh, on home soil. And from my perspective, Ines is one of those who was a rookie last year. She played at Q School yeah. in December 2021, uh, was an amateur still at the time, Turned, got her card, turned pro, obviously won on the LET last year, made history, and then headed over to LBGA Q Series and got status on the LPGA as well. So it just shows what can be done in a short period of time. And as you say, she's the home hero this week. So yeah. exciting, exciting to see how she starts her year. Definitely, yeah. And of course, another player who's going to be there in attendance is Maya Stark, as we mentioned earlier. She is our special guest, um, riding on a ton of momentum from last year. So uh, yeah, you were fortunate enough to chat to her this week. So, so take it away. Yeah, so I had a sat down with Maya. Um, shortly before the season started. She'd actually already started her season. Obviously, she plays on both the LET and the LPGA. So she'd already had her season open, which was the Hilton Grand Vocations Tournament of Champions um, back in Florida a few weeks ago, where she finished tied second. So her best ever start to a season as a professional. And we just went through a couple of things uh, I say a couple, as you'll hear, it's a relatively long interview, but she talked a lot about different mentality, um, some of her wins last year, obviously. So she's got five wins on the LET, as you said. Three of them came in 2022. Um, so one in Australia at the Women's NSW Open, one in Germany, the Amundi Germany Masters, and then the ISPS Handel World Invitational, which was co-sanctioned with the LPGA and meant that she got her LPGA card last year. So... We spoke about that, balancing her schedule, but also the mentality of golf. She absolutely loves it. And 
um, it was noted when she was started her season how much kind of happier she was at the start of the year playing in the tournament. If you've ever watched Maya play, sometimes she can she wears her emotions on her sleeve. You can see she gets frustrated. You can see when she's not happy with something that's happened. But um, that didn't really happen <laughs> at the start of the year in her season opener. She was very happy on course. And so we spoke about that. Um, she's made a couple of changes to 2023. So she's made sure to schedule in six hours of putting a week. So we spoke about why she's made those changes and six hours might not sound a lot, but she said compared to what she'd been doing previously, it's a lot more. And it's also six dedicated hours. So she might be on the passing green for, I don't know, 10 hours, because obviously you get distracted, but she wants six dedicated <laughs> hours of putting. Um, and yeah, she spoke about how, you know, she's now kind of found herself within golf. And before she'd get like embarrassed at things she did or she was a bit anxious and, you know, she was nervous about doing interviews, especially in our interview. She says when she comes off the course immediately and has to speak to either myself or you, George, she doesn't know what to say. She immediately forgets what she's done in her round. She, her brain is all over the place, but she's got she's got so much better. There. And she was saying, yeah, she's full of energy now, much happier. You'll see her around the golf course. Um, whether that's doing her keepy uppies on the driving range, you know, she brings Maya to the golf yeah, course, whereas sure she didn't she didn't do that previously. So big golden retriever energy now <laughs> <laughs> for Maya Stark heading into 2023. And obviously we spoke a little bit about um the race to Costa del Sol last season, obviously where she finished second and the battle she had with Lynn and just all the different aspects of that. So um a very wide-ranging interview, but as she's about to start her let season a good interview to start the year yeah amazing okay let's give it a listen hi maya and welcome to the let golf podcast thank you how are you doing first of all i'm doing very well how are you i'm good thank you and i would say it's off season but actually your season has already started well done on your first tournament of the year obviously a good result for yourselves we'll we'll start with that um, just because there's a couple of things you said throughout the week that I want to pick your brains on. Okay. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> um, you said you were happy, Maya. <laughs> you were oh. <laughs> a different person on the golf course. Um, if anyone has ever watched Maya play, sometimes last year she got frustrated a couple of times <laughs> um, at herself, but you said it's like it was a new Maya. Yeah, my caddy, actually, I think he was the first one to say it. But yeah, I don't know why. I think the first round, I was so calm. It just felt like I was just happy to be back. And every little mistake I made, I was like, ah, that's fine. I'll just, you know, getting up and down is fine. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't really know why. I could kind of feel the frustration creeping in a little bit more towards the end when I, you know, got back into tournament mode. But it was a nice first round, at least. <laughs> and we'll we'll go back to the end of last season and your off season. Obviously, December you had off, but you had many things going on. Um, it was your birthday. You went to a Swedish camp. You did loads of different things. Um, talk me through what December was like for you. So I had a lot of motivation uh, after um, the final. So, you know, on the Monday after we played Finca, uh, 
and then three days after that I just out I was itching like I just wanted to get out of there to get out and play again or at least practice but um so I talked with my, my mental coach about it and I said how am I supposed to take some time off because I don't want to and he said well don't take time off then just you know active recovery we called it so I mean I didn't practice like crazy because I mean obviously I couldn't because the course was in no condition to practice on really um and then I got sick for a little bit lost a little bit of motivation you know when you're not around um other players or you're not at tournaments you lose a little bit of motivation so but I think it was good to take uh, a few more days off um I went to England to hang out with my friend and then yeah then it was back on Swedish camp uh, in Arizona with the, the Swedish golf team and some pros and some amateurs just a mixture of things yes very much so <laughs> and obviously in December you posted on social media about how you reflected on last year. Obviously, some frustrations that you had. Obviously, you had such a great year with, you know, getting your LPGA Tour status, winning more on the LET, obviously coming second in the race to Costa del Sol, etc. Um, but there were still things that you weren't happy with. Um, talk me through why you kind of voiced that and how you felt about last year. Yeah, you know... Um, that was, I was writing that and my, I would have like a season book where I write down all the things I think pretty much. And, uh, I was writing that when I was so frustrated with myself, like my blood was boiling, um, because I knew that there were so many things that I could have done better. Um, like all from everything from planning to practicing to like actually doing my stats, like putting in them in the, uh, program putting my like doing my training log I just I just stopped doing that kind of because I thought like now I'm a pro um I have time to do nothing or whatever I can do whatever I want now because I don't really have the like a college coach or um a national team coach like looking over me and telling me what to do um and I didn't really realize how good that was for me to actually do all those things um, so I was very frustrated with that, that I didn't, you know, fix it. Um, but then I was like, well, how, how could I know that those things were so good for me when I haven't really been without them for, I don't know, seven years. Um, so I think it was healthy to test like what's, what's uh, my golf like without all these structures around me. And apparently it's, it's okay, but it could be a lot better. Um, and I could, you know, not have all that frustration in me. Um, but yeah, it's fine. I'm over it. <laughs> but it was just something that you felt like you had to get out there. But Yeah, I actually wrote something like I watched it. I looked at it two weeks afterwards and, and I like added something in my kind of journal that was like oh a bit of self-reflection and time was needed here it's actually not that bad blah 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 um so yeah I'm over it <laughs> good I'm so glad about that and um you talk about your mentality a lot on the golf course obviously 
I know one thing that, for example, people have seen on social media would be how you react to different shots. So everyone has seen, not everyone, but the majority of people will have seen your shot in Germany on the last hole. I look terrified. <laughs> yes, when you're tracking the ball. Um, and obviously you ended up winning that tournament. But that uh, at that point in time, it was not certain at all. Um, if you can remember, <laughs> what were you thinking when after you hit that shot and watching where the ball was going? Um, I didn't think that it was going to be that close. Uh, I thought I would still have like a pretty shaky putt to to actually um you know get the birdie uh, I don't really remember what I thought afterwards I think I was just happy that it was somewhat close to the pin but I know before I hit the shot I was mostly focused on I mean my hands were shaking so much that I just tried to not touch the golf ball with my club when I was putting it down because I was I was so nervous um yeah, it, it felt absolutely awful in the moment, and then I mean, I, I it's kind of good that when I'm when I'm stressed out or when I'm nervous, I play pretty good golf. Yes, apparently so. <laughs> and you talk about your mental coach a lot. How long have you been working um, with them, and you know how has that helped you? I think we've worked since either 2016 or 2017. I don't really remember. Um, his name is Marcus. He works with the national team. Um, and uh, I think he's probably like the best in the business. So I talk a lot with him and with my normal golf coach, Frederick, um, because Frederick's also very good at the mental stuff, uh, just like more focused on golf, whereas Marcus is, uh, I don't know. He's also focused on golf, but he has like other aspects of life intertwined with it I guess and are you a process driven person as you mentioned earlier with your structures that you you like to have in place do would you say that you're process driven in how you do or um would you say it's different to that I've never really reflected on it but I do like having you know a schedule so now I do a training log like every day and I write quite a lot of things down and I mean, I can't, I can't skip a day because I don't remember like my energy levels from the day before or whatever it is that I'm writing. So I, I actually do really enjoy it, but I've never thought that I was like this, you know, Frida Kinholt, I feel is, it's a lot like that, but has always been. And I thought that she was crazy uh, for being like that. So no, I feel like I've been more, pro more focused on like, or more driven by all the fun things to experience. Like if you get better, you get to experience. Well, first it was um, like playing for the national team. And then it was playing the world championships or the European championships. And then, you know, being on a team um, at college, it was, you get to go to nationals or whatever. And now it's kind of Solheim Cup Olympics, like international crown, those big things. Um, so no, I, I don't really know yet, but I, I do enjoy it. And for those people who've never used like a training log before, what is the type of stuff that you write down every day? So it's uh, quite a lot of things. I don't know if I'm keeping them all, maybe adding stuff to it because I just started a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
but I write down how much I practice, uh, like how many hours, um, how much I slept, um, kind of how much I ate, sugar levels, uh, then like golf specific, what, what I practiced that day. Um, and then, and if I played, like what were my thoughts on that? And then I, like, uh, I have a call with my mental part. So how did, how can I improve until the next time? And what worked well and same thing with the, my technical stuff um so it's very nice to have like because i really feel now that i'm getting better every day because i'm really evaluating every day and seeing mm -hmm. what i can do better instead of just going out playing or practicing and then go home and then do the same thing tomorrow so now i'm actually trying to get or i have the structures to get a little bit better every day um consciously i guess yeah i remember last year after a couple of tournaments you said you think you on when something didn't go right you were like I think I know what went wrong but I'm not sure that I did and then you said you like evaluated it afterwards and realized actually it was something totally different yeah <laughs> a lot of times when I see you it's like straight after the round and I'm so tired and I have not processed the round at all so I, I think you I really think I do the interviews at the wrong moment to say anything of value <laughs> whereas I presume yeah when you go back you look at your trading log you write down what you and then you can actually see in front of you okay this is what happened this is what happened yeah so <laughs> I think it was kind of last week apparently I said some <laughs> some things that uh, I mean Morgan Pressel uh, obviously she did the commentary for the LPGA that week and she she sent something to me saying oh your your post-run interviews uh, like are cracking me up and I, I said oh no what have I said because I have no idea what I said I don't remember anything I probably say stupid stuff all the time so it's just it's just not nice that you have those like those interviews straight after the round I mean, I did read your transcript last week and laughed at some, okay, cool. <laughs> some, some of the things you said. Um, I don't even know. But I just knew it was you, particularly the bit where you went, you were talking about the world rankings and then said Wagga. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> you, you have not been an amateur for nearly two years. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm that tired. <laughs> Um, getting better every day is that kind of like a motto that you're using this year through the processes or is that just something that you think is as you said consciously happening rather than unconsciously happening uh yeah I mean I haven't really thought of it as a motto I just think it's like something that's going to help me a lot and I I just know that um I don't know I feel like my, my motto would be, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about the grind right now. I don't know if it's just because of the off season or something, but I, and I was talking with my, my coach about it and I said, is it really a grind if you enjoy it? Like I don't, I don't practice because I'm, I get better. I practice because I get better and I think it's fun. So I'm, I can say that I've really ever had like, a, a training session that I haven't enjoyed because if I don't enjoy it, why am I doing it? Um, so I just think that's kind of funny that uh, a lot of people, I, I mean, if, if it works for them, it works for them, but I want 
want everyone to know that like you, it doesn't just have to be a grind. You can actually enjoy it too and still, you know, practice a lot and become good at what you're doing. And one thing that you practiced more last week was your putting. So is that through the training log you realized you weren't putting enough last year? <laughs> well, it was, it was a lot through. I went to my old high school coach to do some testing and stuff. And uh, we only tested the irons and uh, and saw my technique with like my long game. And then he was looking through my, my stats and he said, Maya, like, there are some things that you can get better at with your long game technique and stuff. But I mean, you're, you're losing like two shots around in putting. So maybe you should practice that more. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And then I had another person say it too, another coach say it. So I was like, okay, time to actually, you know, um, do what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, that, that can save me a lot of shots. And it did last week. And yeah, I've, Last year, probably when I spoke to you, you were most frustrated was when you miss consistently short, shorter putts. Yeah, I think I had one one putt around um, pretty much under a meter that I missed. Whereas now you're trying to eliminate that with your, is it six hours? Yes. Putting? And so do you just do different drills that you're working through every time that you have to do? Yeah, uh, and I make sure that it's it's like all focused. Um, I do my routine, and when I feel like I can't focus anymore, I could do something else and then come back. Uh, because, and I mean, if I want to do it, um, do my whole routine and actually have the focus that I'm supposed to, it does take a lot of energy and brain power, I guess. Um, to to do it, but I mean, if I'm gonna do it for four days, five hours a day, um, every week, I I really have to start practicing it like consciously and be very focused. Uh, so it does take a lot of energy. I mean, maybe an hour of putting um, might take one and a half or two hours act, actual time because I have to take breaks and stuff. Do you notice when you're not focused anymore is there something where you kind of go okay I'm not concentrating probably I need to stop here yeah so one of my um goals for like processes is um I say okay this putt is blah 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 centimeters outside left or outside right or whatever um and sometimes I feel like when I'm not specific uh with how many centimeters it is that's when I should just take a break because that's when, you know, I can't focus anymore. And we'll go back to how you started in golf. What age did you first pick up a golf club? I think I was six. That's kind of the only thing to do here. I'm from a very small uh, place, like village. So we only have a golf club, really. And my dad played and my grandpa played and, and my brother played. So we just went out on the little short course that they have there. Obviously, golf was not the only thing that you did. You're a very sporty person. <laughs> so I know it's pretty much every sport, but name some <laughs> of the sports that um, you were also doing at the same time. <laughs> well, um, it was only two other sports. I just love all the other sports too. But um, I played uh, football 
uh, from pretty much when I could walk until I was 13. Uh, because my dad was a football coach before and he worked at a football club uh, close to us. So I, I think I focused more on that than on golf. And then I started playing table tennis, um, which is also something, I, I guess it's very Swedish. I've, I've been told that it's very Swedish to play table tennis, but I mean, we have three different size table tennis tables in my house. So um, yeah, uh, very sporting family, but I only did that for about two seasons. And then I only had golf left. So then I just did that. Um, and you've proved that you are someone with many talents. For those who haven't seen Maya's videos on social media, she likes to do keep yuppies occasionally <laughs> <laughs> on the driving range or before a tournament round. Um, have That obviously comes from your football skills from when you were younger. Um, have you always kept that up? And is that something that you just find fun to be able to bring that out every now and again? Uh, yeah, so I think I got that little, that little football when, um, it was, it was just a couple of months ago because I talked with my mental coach about it and I said, I'm just at, at the practice grounds for way too long, uh, because I just find it boring to be at the hotel or, uh, back at the house that we're renting or whatever. I just find it boring. I don't want to sit there and scroll through my phone or watch TV or anything. I think that's boring. So then we try to, you know, come up with something new to do um, and something that I should actually bring to tournaments. Um, whereas, you know, my other hobbies, I can't really do that. So it was just a, a good distraction. Um, and, you know, it's a plus that people f find it fun to watch too. And something else that you did a couple of times last year, which you kind of brought out at ISPS in your final round, when you caught your club um, oh, yeah. <laughs> off the tee box. <laughs> and then you've done that a couple of times since then as well. <laughs> and again, those videos always go down as popular. Uh, basically, Maya does her tee shot and then gets rid of the club off one hand and then catches it <laughs> with the other hand, pretty much. <laughs> I've done that for so long. Um, so I'm surprised that it became a thing uh, because I've done that for years. Um, and I'm surprised that they haven't seen someone else do it. So I feel like, I feel like people have done it. Um, but yeah, I, I started it because I used to just drop my club when I hit a bad shot. Like most often when I uh, thinned it, I would just drop it and I would leave it. And then someone told me, I think, I don't think it's true, but someone told me that um, I would get fined if I drop a club. So I started catching it just to not get fined. Um, so that's kind of how that started. Do you remember how old you were when you first did it? Uh, probably like uh, 16, 17. Um, yeah, we were at a training camp and I was playing. I think I was playing with my high school coach and another player. And I was hitting the ball so badly and I just kept dropping my club. So then we had a secret Santa thing uh, later that year. And I and one of the people that I played with, um, he gave me glue uh as the present because I was he just found it awful that I was dropping the club so much you mentioned other hobbies that obviously you can't bring on to the golf course or the practice areas what what does Maya do when she's not at the golf course what other things do you like to do so I've played 
the drums since I was eight <laughs> and then guitar too. Um, just yeah, self-taught pretty much. But yeah, so I do that, but obviously I can't bring it. Um, I know a commentator said that I bring my, my instruments, um, to the tournaments, but I don't. Um, Maybe if I, if I got like a harmonic or something, but, um, and then I actually recently for Christmas, I got, um, a little watercolor paint painting kit from my parents that I've really enjoyed actually, uh, which was a surprise because I've never really thought that I was very good at painting or drawing. Um, but apparently I am and I enjoy it. I don't know. I always need something to do. I think that's the thing. Going back to tour life, obviously you decided that you didn't want to be a rookie for a whole year <laughs> and you like to win tournaments in August and September and <laughs> join a tour halfway through the year basically and so, like to do it it's a strong <laughs> word it just happened I mean I think I would have preferred the other way <laughs> so obviously you won a uh, creek house back in 2021 um to get your LET membership just a few weeks after turning professional what was that experience like getting that win so early? And then the fact that you got another win just a, a month later. That was uh, very, I don't know, unexpected, I guess. But, but it, that was kind of the same thing as the LPGA one. You know, it was my last chance to, you know, get the card through something other than qualifying. Um, but I was so nervous. I was very frustrated. After that first day, I think I shot level par, and uh, then I shot minus seven. But that was after a very frustrating start. But then I think I shot minus eight my last eleven holes, and then I kind of got the momentum going. But then during the weekend, I was just a nervous wreck. Um, I was I had my coach as a caddy uh, because he was the only person there that I knew. Um, so I had him as a caddy, um, and I, I was nervous. I could feel my heartbeat on every shot during the weekend, and I'm, that's never happened before, and it hasn't happened since. Um, but I'm just, I remember telling my, my coach when I got to the, to the golf course on Sunday morning, I just told him, Frederick, I, I'm going to throw up. I'm so nervous that I will throw up. And... Fortunately, I didn't, and I kept it together. Um, but yeah, I was so exhausted after that. Uh, after that week, it was also like my fourth tournament in three weeks or something, so it was a lot. Yeah, you'd played all in the accessories as well as the LET, <laughs> all in Sweden. So you just had a busy couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but obviously, so joining the tour in September of that year, then you played the following events up until the end of the year. But how was that joining the tour? And obviously, you just mentioned your friends are on tour now, you know, creating friendships, meeting new people, um, probably meeting some people who you haven't seen since your amateur days or since you were in college. Um, what was that like? It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just it's just weird because we've when I played on the national team, we were uh, four people that were the same age. Uh, you know, me, Frida, Kinholt, Beatrice Wall, and Lynn Grant. And then Frida went out on tour earlier, and she played the Epson and the LPGA. 
and Bea stayed in college and Lynn came out. Well, she turned pro at the same time as me, but she didn't get her tour card until a little bit after. So it was, um, it was just very weird to, to do it alone because we've always kind of thought that we would be at the same place, or at least I thought so. So, so it was, um, very fun and I guess challenging to, you know, make, make new friends and it, have it not go as you expected. But, um, I've actually, I think that the time alone that we've all had from each other from the national team has, uh, has been a good thing because we've, you know, developed more and, uh, had to meet new people, um, and get to know them. And I, I just think that it's a good thing. And, um, but now we're kind of going back to the same tour. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, um, and I really enjoyed meeting new people. You know, some of my best pe friends on tour uh, are people that I haven't met before I turned pro. So it's a lot of fun. And you basically replicated the same thing <laughs> in the summer of 2022 uh, by securing LPGA status by winning ISPS and then going to the LPGA for kind of the end of the year until coming back to Spain for the NET finale at the end of last year. Um, ISPS, talk me through that final round because obviously you you just kind of went lights out <laughs> and just decided, okay, I'm winning this. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. I I didn't really look at the leaderboards, and I, so I didn't know that I was. I think I, after 17 holes, I think I was leading by five, um, and then I could almost you know breathe again. Um, but that's kind of the same thing as with Greek house, you know, last chance to prove myself. And I had a really disappointing week the week before, and, uh, I was just ready to actually play some good golf and, you know, um, not let my mental game ruin it for me, because I think that's what, obviously it was tough conditions at Muirfield, but, uh, I think that last round that was all in my head that just ruined it. Um, but I feel like at the ISPS, it was my mental strength that actually got me through um, that whole Sunday because every time I would get nervous, I would tell myself, um, well, whatever happens, I'm proud of myself. But that's usually something I don't say to myself um, because I just never thought that it worked. But then I could actually feel my heart rate going down. Um, so that was kind of kind of a crazy experience. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't even know what to say. It it was it wasn't. I didn't have that good. My putting wasn't that good. Uh, but my irons were. I think I, I think I gained six point two strokes uh, on with my irons um, those last eighteen holes uh, compared to the PGA Tour average. Um, so that helps. Yeah, for sure. I remember watching it and just thinking. Yep, she's gonna win. <laughs> there's, no, there's no doubt about it. Um, and again, like when you were coming into 18 on that round, obviously, as you said, you've seen the leaderboard and how many shot leads you had. You knew that there weren't that many groups behind you, just a few more. Um, what was the feeling that you had on 18 on that day? Well, I was taking my driver out of the bag 
I think, and my caddy, Sophie, she goes, uh, no, it was before I took my driver. She goes, okay, what are you thinking? And it was obviously a drivable hole. I mean, or, you mean, I mean, you could reach in two easily if you just took a driver. So I was like, what, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm playing so well. Of course I'm hitting driver. Like, we're going to keep pushing. So I hit a driver, uh, you know, got it down there, middle of the fairway. And then, oh, my God. I pulled I pulled my foreiron so far left. It wasn't even close to hitting the green. Um, but I, I don't know if that was nerves or that was just a bad shot. I mean, I hit it center of the club face, so I thought it was going to be good. But then I looked at it, and it was just going straight left. Um, but, you know, it was fine. I, <laughs> I don't think I freaked out that much because I knew that, you know, the, the pin was kind of sitting nicely for a wedge. Um, because I just aimed like four meters out to the right and then the slope uh, brought it in uh, close to the pin. So managed to same par anyway. Um, but it was just a, a little, I don't know, a little weird finish since I hit actually hit my irons so well that day. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't think I was that nervous. I was kind of scared of doing like a Scottish Scheffler or something, just for putting, just putting around the hole. And uh, you mentioned Sophie, Sophie Gustafsson, who was on your back. Um, what was it like having her with you there? Obviously, you had her there for the kind of co-sanctioned summer stretch. You mentioned at the time that obviously she kind of, she gets you, you have a similar game, you know, understands where you're coming from. So... Do you think that helped during that specific tournament? As you say, on that day, do you think she just helped calm you down even more? <laughs> I don't know. I think, I don't think she really did anything differently, um, which I think is good. I don't think it's good to have a caddy that will be like, okay, okay, just calm down, calm down, because I think that would have just stressed me up even more. Uh, but um, no, I, I just think that it was good because obviously she she seemed really cool, calm and collected, and I think she was. Um, because, you know, she was just happy to be there and just very, she looked very smug, very satisfied, I guess, uh, <laughs> the last nine holes. Um, but, uh, then I, when she, when we were walking up, um, to the green on 18, she just said, you know, enjoy it and, um, take it all in because it's a good feeling. And um, I don't think I would have done it if she didn't say it because, I don't know, I get kind of embarrassed when people are looking at me. But then I actually made sure to kind of look around a little bit um, when I was walking there. And, yeah, I just think it was just a, a cool moment, too, <laughs> especially for her because I had played so bad the weeks before. So it was fun to actually show off my game for once. <laughs> Do you have any plans for after golf so obviously you're still very fresh in your career and I'm sure you'll have a long career but is it something that you've kind of always got in the back of the mind your mind that you have to have a plan for for when golf comes to an end or is that not something that you think about at all no it is I do um <laughs> it's kind of coming back like pretty often when I have an off season or I take a couple of weeks off, I'm like, do I really enjoy golf that much? Maybe I should do this instead. And I've had a couple of 
instances just this past year where I've, I've thought that way. Um, and then it's been like firefighter. I mentioned to Morgan that I wanted to be a firefighter or like a psychologist. Um, but now I realize that maybe I would more like to do something with the golf federation. So either a coach or something with, um, the Swedish Olympic comedy, um, you know, because I, I love the Olympics and it would be so cool to work with that and to work with athletes trying to get there. Um, but I think that's it. But I've also realized that there are a lot of things that I'd want to do. Uh, and I, I'm starting to see that as a good thing um, instead of instead of a bad thing that I have to choose. It's, it's that I get to choose between a lot of things. And, you know, it's a, it's a good feeling. Well, why did you say firefighter and psychologist? Why were they the two things that kind of jumped out that you were like, yes, that's what I can be? Um, I think the firefighter thing is just because uh, I think it's it's cool to help. And, you know, firefighters are just cool people. I feel like there's no one who doesn't like firefighters. Um, so that would be that. And psychologists, I always feel like I... I like um, knowing my own emotions and I like, I like uh, you know, learning what other people are like and how they're feeling. Um, it was like in, in college, my, it wasn't, it wasn't a motto or something. It was just something that I said a lot and my friends pointed it out that I, I, I kind of said, have you cried today um, a lot? And uh, it was just because I wanted to, to know how they were feeling, how they were doing. And um yeah, so I think I think that's that's where it comes from. I don't think it's anything more than just a, I'm a little bit nosy, maybe, but I just like to know that how people are doing and I want to help them if they're feeling bad. Maya, your goals for 2023. Do you have any goals that you're happy to share? That you I do. Of- no, if I'm happy to share them, but I, I will. Um, so <laughs> top 20 on the Rolex ranking, not on the Wagger. Um, I know that now, um, and I want to be in the Solheim Cup team. And what else was it? Oh, um, I want to win a major this year. I feel like it could be possible if I just do what I'm supposed to. Especially if you stick to your processes. Exactly. Six and hours of putting. Prepare for that big summer run <laughs> of majors. Um, so obviously you just mentioned. Solheim Cup. Um, when was the? Do you remember the first time you watched, or have a memory of the Solheim Cup? Uh, yeah. So the first. Well, honestly, I haven't really watched the whole Solheim Cup because we didn't have the channel, <laughs> so it was always just like talked about. But we, I could never actually watch it live um, on TV. So um, the first thing that I saw was a documentary about the 2013 Solheim Cup when it was in uh, Colorado and uh, Europe won for the first time on American soil. And, you know, we had, we had Swedes on the team and we had a Swedish captain. So, and I just, I was so amazed and I just thought this is the coolest thing ever because obviously I love team sports. I played football for a long time. Um, And to just, I mean, Caroline Headwall, she won all five of her matches, first rookie to ever do so. Um, 
and uh, or was she a rookie? I think she was a rookie. Yeah. All right, first player to ever do so, and that was really cool. Um, I thought because and she was just like my hero, and uh, so it's kind of insane to have played with her so many times now. Um, and I do get a little bit embarrassed. My mom walked up to Caroline at the at the final the final last year and said. Hey Caroline, can can I just get a picture with you and Maya? Could you just like stand close to each other? And I was so embarrassed, but I was also actually very happy to take that picture because she she has been such an inspiration for me for so long. Mom's always doing embarrassing yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned you love Olympic sports. Is it was it always something in your household growing up where you'd watch the Olympics and just kind of see all these different sports and all these different people and just camp out <laughs> pretty <laughs> much sport. yeah um yeah I think so especially these past couple of years um <clears throat> obviously we watch you know always the um cross the track and field because that was always a big thing especially when I was younger you know in 2004 2008 when Sweden had a really good uh, track and field team and then, um, I mean, we watched it in school. We watched the Winter Olympics in school, you know, when we, and that was in high school. So I don't really know if that was allowed, but we did. Um, they put it up during class and just, we just had it on a projector. Um, so yeah, that, it's just a lot of fun and I really want to see it and I really want to experience it because it looks like the most fun week ever and I just hear people say that it's such a fun week um it's it's so much fun to watch and I feel like to be a player and, and a participant and watch it would be even cooler and a new thing compared to just going to the Olympics and watch it like that because you actually get the whole experience with the Olympic Village opening ceremony or closing ceremony and um I yeah that was just that would just be a dream come true because I've always wanted to be an athlete of some sort, but I didn't really care about, you know, or be a professional, but I didn't really care about what sport that would be. Mm -hmm. So um, that would be amazing to qualify okay. for that. As I say, if you could like pick one Olympic sport, that's not golf, that you could represent Sweden and go to the Olympics for, what would it be? It might be ski cross actually. Just because it, it's so cool and because they're a little bit crazy and just very brave. Are you good at it? Have you ever done it? No, I well, I have kind of tried it, but I'm too scared. I won't go over the jumps at those speeds because I, I can't really afford to get injured right now. So, Maya, obviously you mentioned your family. Wait, wait, hold on. Mama, you're all about Yeah, hey there. <laughs> Sorry, she just walked in. I love how I literally just said your mum and then she walked in. I know. I, know. <laughs> I didn't even know she was home. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned obviously your parents and your brother earlier on. Um, how important is kind of your family to you and how important have they been so far in your golf career? They're pretty important. I mean, I don't like to get sentimental, uh, but they're, they've always been there supporting me and, you know, when they, when I went to high school, that was a big thing, you know, more expenses uh, to like pay for my rent and stuff like that. 
and actually drive me everywhere uh, across the country. I mean, Sweden's pretty big, so um, that's a big thing to commit to. Uh, but if it, it feels like they've never hesitated to do that, and they will come watch me at tournaments. And I, I had a I had a while where I didn't like when they came to watch, uh, and I kind of regret that they that I didn't like it. But you know, that was my team's. Uh, a lot of things I did then that wasn't very good, but. And you've had your brother on the bag for a tournament, a couple of tournaments. Um, how I know that you obviously both get along really well, and that he understands you. What's it like when he's able to come out on the bag? <laughs> you know, we do get along very well, but I think there's also some frustration sometimes because you know, I don't even, I don't know what he's expecting. But I'm expecting to be at a golf tournament and act like I usually do. But he, I guess he, he thinks that it's more fun, more fun than that. Like we, he wants to see more things, I guess. Um, so I don't know. The last one we did was kind of, there was a lot of emotions. And I think we were kind of frustrated with each other. But I was very happy that he, that he came and actually helped me because that was my fifth week in a row. A uh, lot of time zone changes, so I really needed that. And uh, I think, no, I, I think we had fun. I, I mean, I feel like I should have probably made it made it more comfortable for him to be there because we were sharing a room. We weren't staying at the best place, you know. It was kind of boring the whole area that we were in. So I feel like I could have I could have made it much nicer for him to be there. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. He knows me so well, so he knows what not to say. And he's a good caddy. He knows golf. It's yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, I'm actually going up to see him next week for the first time since the LAT final. So excited about that. And were there people that you looked up to? Obviously, you mentioned Caroline Headwall earlier, <laughs> someone that you did. Um, but you, but were there others as well as her that you kind of looked up to um, as you were growing up? as someone as kind of a role model? Yeah, I think there were a couple of people. Um, usually not really because of their achievements. Um, it was usually for their personalities. Uh, so I was very introverted before and I, I very often felt very embarrassed about, you know, anything really, things I said, uh, things I did. And um, I think when I, when I, it was usually people that were like a little bit older than me, maybe three or four years older. Uh, and I just saw how, how much they knew themselves and that they weren't afraid of saying stupid stuff and, and things like that. And I just loved that about them. And I, I really thought, wow, one day I might become that person. And uh, so there have been several people, but usually just, other golfers that were a little bit older than me. Some people have stopped playing golf, some still do. Um, but it's very funny to think because I've heard, I've had people on the national team, you know, comment on that when I started on the team, I barely, I didn't really talk. I didn't really say anything. I didn't really show off my personality and stuff. And now I'm the complete opposite. I embarrass, I say embarrassing things all the time. I don't really think before I say stuff sometimes, especially in interviews. Uh, so that's not, I, I guess that's not great, but I feel like I'm so happy to be in in a headspace where I can actually say that and just be like, oh, that was stupid. I'll just move on. Uh, whereas before, I think that that would really just 
mess with my brain for a long time before I could move on. So I think having those people around me um, that I could just look up to and, and watch how they were doing it and um, just see how it, just see how they love to be themselves. I think that really helped. Yeah, for sure. You definitely do say stupid things. Well, thanks. You balance, you balance it out. Thanks. By saying good things. <laughs> Final topic will be music, Maya. Um, we know you like to listen to lots of different music, mm-hmm. um, especially you've always got headphones on pretty much most of the time. <laughs> yes. Um, how important is music for you, um, kind of in golf, but also outside of golf? Like, how do you use music in your life? I don't know. I don't really know if I use it uh, in a special way. I mean, playing instruments, sure, it passes the time and I think it's fun. Uh, but I don't know if I really use it. Sometimes I, I guess it could become a distraction because I listen to music so much that I kind of forget to you know, be in the moment, kind of because I'm always, I don't know, daydreaming. Um, but I really enjoy it. And I mean, I think I, I yeah. I don't know. I just like it, but it's almost to the point that it's a distraction rather than something that helps me. And do you listen to specific playlists when you're like practicing or when you're in the gym or when you're doing different things? Do you have, you know, different playlists for different moods or do you just go with whatever you want? <laughs> I do have, I do have different playlists, but um, they usually don't make any sense. So I have a workout playlist that I sometimes listen to when I want to relax and that's not really what it's for. And then I have a sleeping playlist that <laughs> I I actually would regularly listen to in the gym. So it doesn't really make any sense. So I just listen to what I want when I feel like it. Um, but then, I mean, I have, I think, 1,250 songs on my Spotify, on my normal playlist. So there's a lot of variation there. Um, but you know, when I'm usually when I'm putting, I like to re- listen to you know punk rock or punk pop or I don't know. It just makes it a little more fun, I guess, because putting isn't always my favorite thing to do. But um, yeah, this just makes it a little a little bit better. But that makes me enjoy putting more. I mean, I was talking about the the grind or whatever, um, and I feel like I haven't put up with putting that much because I didn't like the grind. But, you know, when you have a purpose, you enjoy it more. And when I'm listening to music, I enjoy it more. So I actually enjoy putting practice now. Okay, to round off the podcast, I have a quick quiz for you. You have 60 seconds to name the 12 Swedes who have represented Team Europe in the Solheim Cup. Okay, ready, steady, go. Caroline Hedwell, Arnold Christ. Um, Madeleine Sockström, Katrin Nilsmark, yeah. I'm guessing, Annika Sörenstam, yes. Sophie Gustafsson, yes. Maria McBride. No? Okay. I have a name. Um, she might have changed her name, potentially, yes. Karen yes. Koch. Oh, yes. her name was Jort before? Yours, yes. Yeah. Correct. Um, um, Lotta Neumann. Mm-hmm. Um, Helen Alferson. Mm-hmm. Um, Linda Vesberg. Mm-hmm. Just one more. Yeah. Uh, 
like uh, 10 seconds. I'm so sorry to whoever this is. Um, no. There we go, time up. Oh, no, this, is kind of, this is so frustrating. <laughs> Who is it? Scarlett Sorenstam. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. They became the, sorry. First, the first sister. Okay. Uh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, someone else stole her spot, <laughs> spotlight. Okay, Maya, well done. You got 11 out of 12 on that quiz to round off the interview. Um, so thank you very much for taking the time to come on the LET Golf Podcast. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Thank you. <laughs> So there we have it, a fascinating talk with Maya Stark there about her career and her life on and off the golf course as she gets ready for what's going to be an exciting 2023 season for sure. So we hope you enjoyed the first ever episode of the LET Golf Podcast. We're going to have plenty more for you in store as the 2023 season unfolds. That's going to include a whole range of guests from the golfing world coming up throughout the year. Episodes will be coming out every Wednesday moving forward, so make sure you leave us a review and subscribe on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you find your podcast really. And we look forward to having you join us throughout the year. Cheers.